Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Open World. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Hugo Miranda. Hugo began working in the video game industry as a translator back in 2006. Can you believe that? Yeah. Hugo has been part of uh, the Blizzard Entertainment family since 2011, and he's their language specialist for Latin American Spanish. Hi, Hugo. Welcome. How are you today? I'm good. How about you guys? Thank you for inviting me here. Very excited to join you. Yes, I mean, I know that it's been a while since we've been trying to make this happen. And like I said, we're very excited to get a chance to talk to you and for you to share your knowledge and wisdom in the localization field. Awesome. So, Great. Thank you. I'm very excited, Hugo. Thank you very much for accepting our invite. So I'm going to kick off with the first question. Um, now, we know that your first language is Spanish, right? So I want you to let us know what was your first experience uh, with another language and why did you study English to begin with? And I also know that you are quite proficient in Mandarin. So if you can give us a walkthrough to your first steps into the languages. Oh, sure. Oh, how much time do you have? So anyway, uh, have about... <laughs> I, I first had this intuition to follow languages when I was pretty young. Uh, there was a show called Telematch on TV. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And it was a German show. It was a competition show where they had games and they were wearing these big bubble heads and big, big bubble heads. Yeah. Yes. It was yes. Super yes. much in Argentina. But yes, I know the show. Yes. So, so, and that special thing about that show is that they had a countdown in German. And I just picked up on that. I, I was like, well, I just naturally picked up on, on repeating the numbers. I just loved making those funny sounds. But anyway, nobody really noticed anything. And, you know, like I had the ability to learn languages back in the day. Until later in high school, I just got interested in following the lyrics of songs in English. And of course, uh, we had English classes, which I, they were really easy. And I took French at the time too, which uh, I was not too attuned to at the time. Mm. And later in English, well, my father migrated to the US back in the 80s. And later I followed, well, maybe 10 years later I followed. And that's when I continued high school uh, here in Los Angeles, actually a high school that is very close to Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And something very interesting happened because at the time in my native Costa Rican high school, I was a very, very bad student, very poor. I mean, failing, failing a grade, uh, failing a few classes meant that you failed the grade and you have to repeat the whole thing. Well, that happened to me. But then when I got to the U.S., it was all brand new. It was all of a sudden I was an A student and I would tell back to my other friends in Costa Rica, hey, guess what? I'm like an A student here. <laughs> yeah, right. Nobody believed me. No, and I then I would do. tell the, my friends here where well, I used to be a pretty bad student. Nobody believed me. <laughs> so uh, that was my encounter with English. I picked up my first book from my teacher's desk and you know, I, you had some skeletons on the cover, and then I just opened it, I picked it up, I opened it, I flipped through the pages, and I saw Punta Arenas. 
And then mm -hmm. at the time I know, well, there's two Punta Arenas in the world that I know of. I think one is in, is it Chile or Argentina? It's all the way. Um, uh, yes, it's, it's in Chile, if I'm not Chile. mistaken. It's in Chile, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. And so I saw that and I was like, I have to, I have to make sure that this is uh, what, which Punta Arenas it is. And it was Costa Rica. So I picked up the book and I read it because it said Costa Rica. Right. The title of the book was Jurassic Park at the time. And that, <laughs> Look got at that. Me, yes, that got me excited into reading. And I did a lot of reading in English. And so, of course, I excelled in that. I graduated high school and then I did some college until I went back to Costa Rica to become an English teacher. And I did that for about four years until I was pretty tired. Costa Rica is a very small country and there's very limited opportunities to what you're exposed to. Right. And I always dreamed of being a sort of Indiana Jones. You know, remember that scene where he breaks into a foreign language when he's in India. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> yeah. how can he do that? I want to do that. Explore. You keep bringing all my favorite stories, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. <laughs> Which one's next? <laughs> so I wanted to be that. I wanted to speak strange languages and be in foreign lands. And as I was teaching, uh, English, you know, during my breaks, I would flip through the newspaper looking for opportunities. And one time I saw this scholarship offer by the Taiwanese government. And I thought that was for me. I applied for it. Out of 70, there were 12 selected. I had a number of reasons to, you know, follow uh, the pursuit. Um, one might not be that obvious, but I am one-eighth Chinese. I don't look like it too much anymore. <laughs> you don't look like... You look my, like more of a one-sixteenth. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're close. <laughs> <laughs> and I, during high school, I read a lot of Confucianism and Confucius. I was really curious on the culture. So that took me to Taiwan, where I stayed for about five years. I did three years of culture of language training and two years of geography uh, in Mandarin. So wow. that's uh, after I finished that chapter, I came back to the US and started in the gaming industry. Which leads us to the next question, because I definitely want to know how you got into the gaming industry why games? What does what do video games represent to you? You know, career-wise, I started in 2006, but I think it, go, it goes way back when um, my father bought the first console for me, an Atari 5200. Mm -hmm. It was an upgrade from the 2600, so I was kind of popular in the neighborhood because we had that. Well, <laughs> there was a lot popular of different and everything. So I would say Every, everyone wanted to play with you, right? <laughs> After school. Yes. Yes. That I was, was one in of the Costa few. Rica, right? That was in Costa Rica, correct. Okay. And there was a problem though, not many people to exchange game cartridges with, you know. Yeah. So I would say after that I got the Nintendos and all all the games that came with Nintendo as well. I skipped the Segas. Uh but I, the Nintendos and the Ataris have a, a very special place in my heart. And I would say that's when it all started. 
understanding, you know, analyzing a game, how to break through different levels and whatnot. So going back to after I came to the US, I found this small company that was looking for a Spanish translator. And hmm. we don't have those uh, that industry anymore, but they were called betting games. Yeah, and the way they worked, there were games like Tetris or Zuma, if you remember Zuma, or Bejeweled. Yes. Yeah. And they had, you know, they have kind of hacked the games that were online, and you could play for money. If you were good, you could earn oh. money. It was like an online casino for casino gamers, for kind games. of like that. Right. So I did that. And the company did not, did not last too long. And at the time, I remember my boss telling me, hey, you know, there's this job opportunity uh, for this company out in Orange County. And I was like, oh, forget it. I don't, I don't even have a car. Uh, that's too far for me. So I think I'm going to skip. That company was, you know, uh, sold out. And... I did a couple of odd jobs in the meantime, like I worked for a bank and I managed their Chinese side, their Spanish side. And, you know, fate me, had me where I moved, I had to move to Orange County. So during the 2008 downturn, you know, the, uh, uh, the economic downturn in the US. Yeah, right? I remember. Yes. Mm -hmm. I decided to go back to school and finish my degree. And linguistics was by far the easiest thing I could find because I had the languages there already. Right. And so it was actually the minimal number of classes I would take. And at the beginning, uh, I didn't really know much what it was all about, but I fell in love with it right after I did my first class and was like, oh my God, where has this been all my life? <laughs> Nobody's ever told me that linguistics, I mean, with such a, an unsexy name or sexy name. I don't know. That was the thing for me. So that was a breeze. I did that for about uh, two years. And before graduation, I started looking for jobs. And a neighbor company was Blizzard Entertainment. And they were looking for a language QA. Wow. And then I remember recalling my old boss saying, oh my God, this was the company he had told me back in 2006. Wow. I couldn't believe so he, it. I could have been working be. there since 2006. <laughs> you belong there. I mean, it was meant for you. And of course, yeah, the rest is history. I went through the ranks. Of, I did QA for about a year, and he taught me a lot about maneuvering inside the games, which is not an easy thing, for example, for World of Warcraft. And then StarCraft, that was very different. And Diablo 3, that at the time I, I landed and it was not out. It started, we were doing QA for D3. Wow. Um, <laughs> and you was, were uh -huh. like the, the, one of the first people to, to ever play it, right? Yes. Yes, you're right. Oh, incredible. Right. Incredible. Uh, you know what? Uh, I've told you this well, in, in some of our previous talks, but I, I love Diablo 3. I love it. And it is to, till this day that every time that I find any locked doors, I go like the witch doctor in Spanish, está cerrado. 
It's like in my brain. <laughs> that's the sound for a locked door. Está cerrado. Yeah. And for my wife too, because I say it out loud. <laughs> that's so nice to hear. That's so nice to hear. Uh, I don't hear those stories enough because we make a great effort, or I make a great effort to put in the diversity in dialects and accents into the game because I know that they'll be ingrained in the players, in the gamers' memory for a lifetime. So it's, it's so heartwarming to hear stories like that. Thank you, Alexis. Well, it would be great if someone watching this show and is a big fan of any of our Blizzard's uh, franchises, please, please leave a comment uh, below. If uh, you've experienced this game and these games in Spanish for Latin America in particular. Uh, mm -hmm. This is the person you want to thank uh, for <laughs> that. So please leave your loved for Hugo in the comment section. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you Hugo, for, for making such a great job because uh, it leaves a mark. It leaves a mark. Uh, but I don't want to stay too much in this because I'm going to cry. But um, <laughs> I'd like to know, how do you manage nowadays? Because we're all busy, but I can imagine that what you do, your position uh, must book you, your, your, your time pretty, pretty heavily. So how do you manage uh, your time and balance work with your everyday life? Do you still have time to play video games? Do you play video games still? And I'm going to leave another small question for that because it's a long one <laughs> okay so yes, the short answer is yes i still find time to play games uh, they are sig very significant for me it's a way uh, to relax um mm -hmm. some people you know they read the news some people watch movies some people play yeah. with their pets or you, some people play video games and it's a way to find refuge from the day-to-day -day life to recharge your batteries. So it is very important for yeah. me. And of course, it benefits my job. And it pays off when you show that knowledge. And it benefits others too in your job. Um, going back to what I do for Blizzard. So I left you at QA where I did what that I did for about a year. Yeah. I, I later moved on to a content editor, which was basically synchronizing with the translators that, that we have as outsourced partners, right? And then because of needs in the department, I moved to project management that was more of a language agnostic position, but still keeping, you know, uh, final decisions language-wise. And now the latest, uh, of the evolution is language specialist. In my view, I've always been doing the same thing, uh, but I just provide people with different services, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And in terms of uh, how do I manage my time? Um, so there are some things that I, that I have to do for work in video games. I am doing one right now but I cannot share any details. And I am collecting, collecting information. I am researching this product 
for the benefit of the translators that are going to get this uh, product later on to localize. So some of that can be done, you know, uh, as part of my job. And others, uh, I do here and there. I would say I play more mobile lately. Mm -hmm. uh, Interesting. Because because it takes uh, it takes a little more time to turn on the console, sit in front of the TV, you know, find the time and the space. Um, yes, I can relate to that. I have a two-year-old on a small apartment that we live. So mobile gaming is very, very, very comfortable sometimes. Yeah. Well, maybe so you should turn to mobile. <laughs> Hugo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a very interesting stage and it has its advantages. I remember when we had newborns, it was kind of fun because you had to stay up through the night sometimes or wake up at odd times uh -huh. or sometimes you don't fall asleep again. So guess what? Come I'm on. Gonna <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm going to play. Yep. I'm going to play. So you, you just, just find your time and you adjust it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's how it works. And you you mentioned uh some of the things or some of the people you interact with as a language special specialist but I, I wanted to know how does a day in the life of a language spe specialist look like what are the challenges that you're facing or that you face throughout the years because probably they have changed yes uh, there has been an evolution for sure and back when I started, I was not so mature in the position and the team was not either. And so I remember it's actually a very uh, endearing memory for me when we would have the tomato, I call them the tomato tomato discussions. Because for Latin American Spanish, it's something that is very dear to us in every country. We all have our own uh, nuances because we grew up in a linguistic bubble. You know, we had marketing, we had TV, we had friends, we had school, we had university. And someone that comes around from a place that is not from where I am and tells me that I'm not speaking the correct Spanish, it's definitely an insult because, hey, my grandmother spoke like that, my grandfather. My parents, my classmates, they all spoke like that. Who are you to tell me I'm wrong? I think I'm right. So there was part an of your identity. It's what makes you you, you right? Right, right. So when you bring on uh, different uh, Spanish speakers from different countries, and they're just finding out about what others sound like, what others' experiences is like. You know, it's a little bit challenging, and it was at the time, to explore our differences. Luckily, I am a descriptivist linguist. A de descriptivist? What is the other, the other opposite of descriptivist? Um, <laughs> no, prescriptive. <laughs> so a prescriptive linguist is the one that kind of follows the rules, kind of like the grammar, the language police. And okay. a descriptive yeah. linguist is the one that's just like a scientist, observes the behavior of a certain language, understand why they come, why they speak like that, where they come from, and then kind of tries to marry the differences. And that is kind of what I did at the very beginning in our department. 
kind of like artistic sort of speak right as, uh, the right right you mentioned scientific but i think i imagined it like someone that works their art with languages mm -hmm. well linguistics it's it's a science a social science so that's why i slipped that in there so mm -hmm. it, it happened when like say we would decide a name for a unit or an important name for an expansion and then people would have all these feelings about a certain word. So then I had to explore, you know, where they were coming from, what that sounded natural to them, and then do the same thing for the other part. And then try to explain, yeah, this sounds natural to him or her because of this and that. And the best thing to do for the game would be based on the trends that we see in all of Latin America. Kind of like that. So those are mm -hmm. kind of like... I'm kind of deviating from the question, am I? No, but it's fascinating. I mean, <laughs> you can keep going for hours. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I, I, I would listen for 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 what you have to say for hours. I mean, uh, it's super interesting how it can be as simple as yeah, there's not one single variant. And that's it. So you may choose, for example, Latin American and neutral Spanish or Mexican Spanish and put it under an umbrella. Or if you dig and you go deeper and you realize that there's more than just a variant, it's just mm -hmm. the culture behind uh, those variants and the people behind them that speak that specific, specific um, variant, right? Right. So the different tasks I get for work when they are linguistically related, uh, I would just geek out so much on them and we could talk on forever <laughs> about those. I remember one, I'll give you an example where we had a bug in, in an audio in a game. And I don't want to say that word right now. It's a Spanish word. And there's these little creatures in the game World of Warcraft. They're kind of short, but they're not the goblins. What are they? We might need uh, Lara's help here. Yeah, so, so, the, oh. so we, in English, they're called gnomes, okay? They're called gnomes. Oh, gnomos in Spanish. Oh, there you go. You said it. I did not say it. Uh, just the way you pronounced it in a game. And then we got it in uh, at Blizzard at HQ. And we all looked at each other and were like, what are they saying? You know, <laughs> because nobody knew it by gnomos. We all, said it, we all said it as gnomos. So that took me back into a historical class, per se, mm -hmm. to understand why it, some people would say gnomo and other people would say gnomo. And maybe we could talk about this uh, offline. Yeah, for, for, the, yeah. for the people that are, uh, that are uh, tuning in, Nyomo, as I pronounce it in my Argentinian Spanish, is written as G-N-O-M-O, -O, right? M-O. G-N-O-M-O. So I pronounce it Nyomo, and Hugo, you pronounce it? No more, correct? No more, yes, yes. Right. And we speak the same language. <laughs> it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. But that's 
the beauty of it. Um, well, by now, I mean, we know, but our audience uh, must see that you have a beautiful way of seeing life and to see language and to talk about it as well, right? And I know that you see life as a video game, right? Where you can be either Indiana Jones or someone with special abilities. And you're an advocate for bilingualism for future generations. Uh, what are your thoughts on what's the potential of future generations uh, for people uh, in the industry and in language, in gaming? Take it wherever you think. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So that um, my endeavor of talking to elementary school age kids about what I do at work came about because I was once invited at my son's elementary school to read to the kids. Uh, and I was like, no, I, I go there and read a book in English to them. Mm, that's not me. Uh, why don't, why don't we go like, you know, I used to watch in the movies where parents would go and talk about their professions. Mm -hmm. And why don't I, why don't I prepare a presentation and talk to the kids about what I do at work. And at the same time, I bring the exposure of the idea that speaking languages, it's okay. It's natural because that's something that here in the U.S. is not so common as you would see it in other areas of the world where multilingualism is more common here. <clears throat> There is bilingualism and multilingualism, but it's kind of like the shadows still. You know, you keep it at home in a corner or your friends. And if you're in public, you whisper it. Or if you go order McDonald's and I turn around to my son in Spanish to ask him what he wants, you get all this, you know, it's kind of like in a movie, all the bright eyes in the darkness mm. and eyes staring at you. Yeah. So I saw that as an opportunity to also show my son that it was okay to talk about right. that. And of course, I put in comparisons. You know, I pulled some of those, one of those sweet Hearthstone cinematics that you could see on YouTube. <laughs> I couldn't pull an Overwatch one, although I really wanted to, but it might have been a little bit too violent for their for eight year olds. Yeah, right? probably. But I'm sure they they see it at home. So yeah. I saw that opportunity uh, to talk to them on that uh, on those topics. And then it just evolved from there that the teacher had a son in a bilingual program at a different school. And he said, well, would you do the same thing at this other school for my wow. son's class? And then he moved from there to a local library. Hey, why don't you do that for the community? And then somebody else did it, called me, you know, someone that I had met ages before that worked at a elementary school. And then I did it again. So I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm like happy to offer that. And I sell it as a way that to, you know, discover your abilities, like in a video game, like a language. It's another ability that is hidden that you could use for a job to like work at Blizzard or anywhere you want. Yes. Right. And also to to give them the idea that playing video games is a way of getting to know yourself getting to know what you're good at, what you're bad at, what you like, what you don't like. And those are skills that you should 
you should know by the time you get out of high school. You should not go into university, you know, listening to others tell you what you should study. You should know by then. So games is a way to let you find out what you like and what you don't. So I think it's all connected. I think it's all beneficial. But of course, you know, some people abuse screen time, right? Mm, yeah. No, but what a wonderful story. What a wonderful story. Did you think that you thought it just for your kids' class, right? And it, it evolved? Uh, no, it, it's amazing. I'm, I'm kind of speechless right now, but just because I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, but it's, it's so nice that you get the chance to give back to the community, right? Mm -hmm. uh, through, through language, which is your passion. So it's, it's a beautiful story. And talking about passions, and I know you pretty much have the dream job uh, because uh, Blizzard Entertainment, it's an, it's an amazing company, has uh, incredible games. And we wanted to know if you have any recommendations to translators or linguists that are trying to get out there in the industry and are dreaming of maybe someday working at Blizzard or a, a company uh, similar to, to Blizzard, though I'm not sure if there's any. <laughs> and I mean, wh what would you recommend to them? Hmm, that's a really good question. It, it depends, it varies depending on where you are and what you like to do. Right. I think it's your passion that kind of drives you to a destination. Right. And then how do you break into it? Uh, like breaking into the industry at first, there's so much competition, but then there's also mm -hmm. so much opportunities. Uh, we live in a day and age where uh, video games is taking on over Hollywood in terms of entertainment. Yes. So it's huge. It's huge. And guess what? languages as an industry is also exploding is there a lot of content right now do you think well there's going to be a lot more and a lot more content to translate yes this is not stopping no right so if you are a translator say and you're interested in video games well if you were to solve it like any a video game you would try to find the easiest way in right just if it it's a big wall that you have in front of you. Try to find uh, the easiest way in. Find the door, the, the broken door that no one is looking for, right? Find the easy way in. For me, the easiest way in was using my languages, using my interest in video games, and that I lived nearby. So if you kind of summarize, you, Put on a list, make on a list of what is, would be easy for you. What skills do you have? Some people might have marketing in there. And guess what? We also need marketing people. Lawyers, we also have lawyers, right? right. They are necessary in our society. So it's, it just depends. And say if it's a specific company that you're looking into, uh, it might be it might look like a fortress at first. So find the easiest way into the industry first. Um, work on a smaller project first. That, build, that will build up on your experience. When you go on to the next opportunity, you, you can say, well, I did this and this and this at this other company. 
And I thought there were better ways of doing it. What are you guys doing? And that gives you power, right? right. Just like when you analyze one video game, and I could just drop one here, like Mario, right? And we can compare it when you compare it to Donkey Kong and you play Mario, we can have a conversation. We can compare it, how it's different, uh, who made the game, uh, what years they were published, what consoles, and that is all knowledge that you would gain from um, having that experience, right? So yeah. I would say anywhere that you can find, put your foot in the industry. Would give you, or would already give you more power to go into the next level, and the next level, and the next level, kind of like World of Warcraft. Love that you're <laughs> you're bringing the the fact that you don't need to um, have like a specific skill or um, area of expertise, because as you said, we need lawyers marketing managers, localization specialists, and account managers, producers, game developers. You don't even need to be just a developer to be in the gaming industry. We have right? librarians, we have historians, um, we have business intelligence, people that analyze huge- Geologists. We, we had uh, one of our guests, one of our special guests was Kate Edwards as well, and she has so much background and geography and history and still she's collaborating and adding so much value with her background so everyone has something that can add value to, to the story right definitely so definitely so one example that i always like to bring up is when we worked on overwatch and you know one thing that i i always wanted to do was to use my chinese expertise in the games or at work. And the opportunity never really came about. You know, I would see it on everyday tasks where I would try to understand the English to understand the source and I would look at different languages. And because of Chinese and the way they look at things, the way they describe things in their language, I would understand right away what they're talking about. Okay, this is what it is in Spanish or this is what it should be for other languages. But never really as impactful as when Overwatch the project came about. And when we were deciding who was going to be the talent for it, and we definitely wanted someone who spoke the language. And we were just very, very lucky to find the talent that we found for May, who has studied Chinese in Mexico. And wow. she was she was she was not a voice actress uh, as a profession. She is more of a a, a drama uh professional and a writer. Interesting. And how long did it take you to find her? Well, we had to do it very efficiently, maybe two or three weeks. Well, that's very so, efficient for such yeah, a special profile, right? We had to we had to move very fast because we don't have we didn't have time. So we found her and since she had never recorded in Mandarin Chinese before, she looked at the script and she said, well yeah, I can do it, but there's some words here that I don't understand. And when I heard that, I was like, wait, 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 I can help. I can help. It's your opportunity to so, shine, right? So, yeah. So what happened was that we, I joined the recording sessions remotely. And then I helped her with the pronunciation uh, of certain words, the pronunciation of sentences. 
And also just, of course, because she is very good at it, just to give her that emotional support. Well, I think uh, it's about time to go through a meme round. What do you think, guys? <laughs> Should we do I, it? I'm down for some memes. All right. Well, this is the first meme. And here, I think um, we're going to need a little help from you. Here, here it is. Yes, this is a... Uh, this is not by far a popular meme that you see out there that people share about because this was an internal discussion. It happened about uh, by the time Heroes of the Storm was coming out mm -hmm. because this uh, this is the character in Heroes of the Storm. Yes. And at the time there, we, we had this uh, discussion of what we would name our Demon Hunter. And in English, we had the name Vala, right? Uh, and then there was an issue with that because if we published it as the way it is in English, people would read Vaja, and that's like, that means like uh, friends or something. And says yeah. something like very uncool. I mean, people are going to be saying Vaja, 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 and it's going to sound like go, 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 or <laughs> go, like go, go. a fan. Yeah. So this is all the force, right? So, so yeah. So, what do we do? What do we do? And there was this heated discussion about what do we name them. And then we reached out to the dev team, and they said, "Well, there's also this other demon hunter in the lore, and this is public actually, and and her name is Tilla. Tilla is another uh, demon hunter that is mentioned in the lore. Well, would you guys be okay with that?" So then that was brought on the table and then we started discussing and it was, it went on for hours. It was so long. It was so heated. People were fighting over this that our current director in localization made this meme and he oh. just mirrored the image and put Tila and put Vala and then go fight right. who's gonna win <laughs> the pvp they now it yes. makes sense now we did like, that story <laughs> he's like literally bringing up the popcorn and yeah you guys <laughs> keep discussing keep discussing i want to see how this ends <laughs> i got the vala but I, I wasn't aware of the tiller one tiller yes, one. yes. Okay, okay. Um, so you know just to tie to tie the knot at the at the end you we oh and there was another issue with bala because uh in argentinian spanish you will pronounce it bala not vala and bala sounds like bullet in spanish but in argentinian spanish bala is something of a bad word that we did not want in the game Right. And so, you know, we didn't want that. We didn't want Bala, right? Yeah, we can also, <clears throat> sorry, pronounce it as Vasha as well. Vasha. And it can be like, like mean like yes. a barrier or something, and you don't want that either. So. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. In the end, we took out one of the L's and it stayed as Bala. And there were no issues with the other meaning of the word. It was mm -hmm. my guess that it would, you know, taken out of context. It's in the context of the game. You're not going to think about it in any other context. Mm -hmm. Why oh, would yeah. you? Why would you? Right. And we haven't heard anything so far. So please don't go bug it now. I think we're fine. <laughs> don't no, go no. Thanks. Thanks for, for sharing this inside meme. And I love yeah, the story. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is for all Spanish speakers out there. 
It depends on who you call, right? <laughs> so, yeah, we got A, B, C, and D. And I, you know, the first time I saw this meme, uh, I was like, you know, I'm a Spanish speaker. I should be able to answer. This just, you know, some monolingual person sent me these. And okay, so what is it? What is the answer? I want to know. And you know, I probably have the answer. And then I looked at them. I was like, I, I don't well, know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't Depends. know what ahorita means. I don't know because it. It depends on how you use it in your context, in your country, in your atmosphere, yeah. in your family. Oh, and I love this one. Yeah. That's yes. And we can probably find even more if we Google because <laughs> there's so many different ways to say popcorn in Spanish. You have yes. no idea. <laughs> yes, yes. These uh, this is one of my favorite ones. I use I use it at work often and particularly when I do presentations to my teammates, you know, I do presentations on the Chinese language to explain the difference between traditional and simplified and why mm -hmm. if it's, you know, if one is simplified, why is not the other one complex? You know, I don't understand that dichotomy. So I use this one to explain why Latin American Spanish is so difficult. Why? Because when they, you know, when developers or production sends on a query and they ask, okay, we want to know what this would be, what the translation would be for your language because the developers want to implement this in the game. Okay. And then you see all the languages answering and there's like German, boom, Spanish, boom. I mean, Latin, uh, European Spanish, boom, mm -hmm. French, boom, Russian, boom, Chinese, mm -hmm. done. Brazilian Portuguese done, and they're like, uh, "Where's Latin American Spanish?" And All over I'm the place. Out, I'm, <laughs> <out. laughs> I'm still discussing with the people. I'm doing my best. I'm still discussing to you know marry all the all the you know all the opinions and getting to getting the best answer to you, and that is because you have to go through all the countries that are that you mm -hmm. have you know you, you can reach out to. Well, this meme is kind of old, at least the picture, right? Mm -hmm. But at the time, I, might, I don't know, I must have made it like six, seven years ago when we started discussing this, uh, this topic. And it is for Spanish speakers, it's a very sensitive topic because it, mm -hmm. it talks about the core of who you are and how you speak. And so when you hear uh, the first comments of neutral Spanish, and you know nobody likes it because they all defend who they are and yes i see that i respect who they are mm -hmm. and i mean i am the number one person that when i visited buenos aires i started speaking like the locals like right away because i wanted <laughs> to pick it up and you know and then i can i you come back and then you start finding a love for the way things are pronounced a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. it, they just sound like music, so beautiful. So I am the first one to appreciate the diversity in accents. And the issue of neutrality has, it comes when you have to publish one product to mm -hmm. a huge market, right? right? So what do you choose? That's what I was saying, right? Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> teach your kid to you the ways. 
<laughs> of video game, then they'll never have money to buy drugs or something like that. There is a thing. Yeah, it's a healthy hobby. And yeah, I, I think so. Video I games I, are. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and World of Warcraft is a, uh, it's not an easy game. I mean, uh, I've played it and I don't do. I don't do like 10% of what you can do inside World of Warcraft. I mean, really? like questing wow. and sometimes I fish, like the most boring things. I don't do raiding or, or pen battles or, game. oh my God. Great. <laughs> now, I felt like John Wick every once in a while in this picture, especially because of all the bruises and all the low health. Yes, this uh, uh, it happened to me in World of Warcraft because you have to go pick up your body, right? Yep. And sometimes it's right there. <laughs> There's not enough time for you to to leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Had so much fun. Thank you, all for sharing your memes. Uh, we like to think of it as a way of getting to more personal with our guests because we we like to know what makes them laugh and uh thank you for sharing what makes you laugh um it was an absolute pleasure to have you here with us today you will and to learn more about uh your incredible journey and in blizzard and in the localization industry um thank you alexis also it was lovely Absolutely. having you everyone thanks for for tuning in, uh, and we'll see you in an episode of Open World. Take care. Bye, guys.